Welcome to the Theology on Tap Chattanooga podcast. In each episode, we feature a different lecture given by a writer, scholar, or public intellectual. Each of these talks explores the intersection between theology and culture, and how theology can help better guide us toward the common good of society. These talks are given live at our monthly Theology on Tap events at the Camp House in Chattanooga, Tennessee. For more information and to find out when our next live event is, check out our Facebook page at facebook.com backslash Theology on Tap Chattanooga. Now, here is this week's episode. We hope you enjoy listening. Um, I'm super uh, honored to introduce Dr. Mary McCampbell. She is an associate professor of humanities at Lee University in Cleveland, Tennessee, where she teaches courses on postmodern theory and fiction, film and philosophy, and popular culture. A native Tennessean, she completed a doctorate at the University of Newcastle upon Tyne, where her research focused on the relationship between contemporary fiction, late capitalist culture, and the religious impulse. Her publications span the worlds of literature, film, and music, and she's currently working on a book titled Postmodern Prophetic, The Religious Impulse in Contemporary Fiction. She has been one of the organizers of Calvin College's Festival of Faith and Music since 2009, and she currently speaks and teaches on the theological significance of popular music. McCampbell was the summer 2014 writer-in-residence at Labrie Fellowship in Grantham, England, and has been invited to be a winter 2018 scholar-in-residence at Regent College in Vancouver. So without further ado, please give a hand for Dr. Mary McCampbell. Hello, everybody. All right. He's messed me up. Okay. Um, So before I start, I'd love to know how many of you are familiar. I'm going to start giving a little bit of Chance the Rapper's story, just just really basically talking a tiny bit about his two first mixtapes and then more time on Coloring Book, which is the one that most people probably know. Um, so how many of you are really familiar with his music? So it looks like about half and half. So it's kind of nice to have some, some folks who really know stuff and then a lot of people that are going to hear things maybe for the first time ever. Um, so Chance the Rapper, um, well, his actual name is Chancellor uh, Bennett. What's his middle name? Does somebody know? Trivia? I can't remember, but Chancellor Bennett um, grew up in Chicago, and um, his first album, 10 Days, um, he actually put out um, when he was in high school, because he's only 24 years old right now, you know, and he was in high school, and he got suspended for 10 days because he had, was in possession of marijuana, so that's the, when he made the 10-day um, album, and I'm just, just going to play a little clip. This is, so this is off of 10 Days. It's called Brain Cells, and, you know, I mean, he's a teenager, and he talks a lot now even about, you know, his, the first two albums he put out are what you call, are mixtapes, are pretty much, all they're there, it does, we, he does weave through some theological ideas. That's not at the forefront of his brain. There's a lot of, uh, kind of social justice issues that he does talk about, and I'm going to highlight some of those. But pretty much every song is about drugs to some extent. Um, but, uh, you know, and so you'll see him here. He's very young. And but just the artfulness of even the way the video's made, the wordplay for someone who was so young. So I'll play a little bit of this. Hey, Jerry, Jerry. Who is it? Please don't. 
themselves or open the door. your wallet these gotta pay me for taking the year from college go and get your nails polished stylist for your eyelids and a pilot for your mileage for them frequent flights to your islands miss brown and miss pollock little boy then grown up little voice then blown up middle class that bonus hey my hey mama jen god just gave me another chance rocks gave me another line probably gave me another fan seven seven three oh since kanye was a three oh down the street from d it's interesting that even then he says hey ma hey ma god's given me another chance and he often plays with his name. This is going to sound kind of maybe a far stretch, but it actually reminds me of the way John Donne, if you know the Renaissance poet, in his poetry uses his last name Dunn um, and plays with it. He does the same thing with his name frequently about, you know, giving me a chance. Do I have a chance? Do I still have a chance? Like, has he lost himself? Has he lost his identity? Um, so, uh, yeah, and there's another song on here. No, it's not on this one. It's on the next one. Never mind. Okay, so this is uh, his next album that he put out. So that was 2012, and I think this is 2013. Um, this is called Acid Rap. Obviously, uh, drugs also are very prominent in this. But you see, uh, this album, I mean, I think it's interesting because even that first video that we, both of those videos had a kind of, as much as they were sort of, well, especially the first one was quite debauched, hedonistic, um, there was still kind of a childlike quality to it. And I think it's interesting because in the music he does now, it's very much full of childlike wonder and joy. I would say in these first two albums, you don't see much joy, though. Um, that's because it's before a very big life change of his that I'm going to talk about. But um, in this album in particular, you have some songs, I'll, I'll play one later, that deal a lot with just... Uh, the harshness of life in Chicago where he lived, the many um, black bodies that are, you know, taken away so easily and treated like so dispensable, you know, so as so dispensable. Um, and another one of the songs on here is interesting, uh, but it's called Butterscotch Kisses. And it talks about, you know, he's smoking all this weed all the time. And he's like, his mother won't, won't, don't want to get near him because he stinks so much. What? 
Cocoa butter kisses, sorry. I have the, the front row university students to correct me if I slip into, you know, sort of old people problems. Um, so, <laughs> um, so uh, cocoa butter kisses, yeah, okay. So, but he, there's one part, and this is interesting because his grandmother plays such a significant role in his story, and there's one, and I'm going to, I'm not going to censor these things, or I'm going to quote them sort of as they are and play them as they are, um, but he has one, and in, in this cocoa butter kisses, you know, his mother doesn't want to get near him because he stinks, and he has holes in his hoodie from the, you know, the cigarettes. Um, and then there's one line, and he says, I have to put my, um, I have to put some visine in my eyes so my grandmother will give me a fucking hug, you know. So it's this kind of, but he, it, a lot of it's a lament, like he seems, I'm addicted, we're addicted, we're addicted. And so there is a sort of restlessness within it. Um, I, I wouldn't say it has much joy, which right now, I'm going to talk about this later, he's kind of defined as the joyful rapper. <laughs> so I'll come to that in a minute. But, um, yeah. So, um, the really big... Uh, change in his life actually happened when his girlfriend got pregnant and um, he was, you know, in talking about, he talks about what a, what a, he would say evil, sinful life he was living. He moved to Hollywood and um, yeah, just, but just was very unhappy within that. Um, but uh, his little girl, they found out that she had heart problems um, before, you know, before she was born. And he felt, he realized this sense of helplessness and lack of control. And this is when he really kind of went back to his grandmother's faith. And he talks about that so much. He sings about that so much. Um, the faith of his grandmother and, you know, her love for him, even in the midst of this, you know, kind of, uh, his, his kind of moral inconsistencies. Um, so anyway, he basically uh, had this conversation with his grandmother. This is something he said. And she prayed for me all the time, like very positive things. But this time she said, Lord, I pray that all things that are not like you take away from chance. Make sure that he fails at everything that is not like you. Take it away. Turn it to dust. And I'm thinking like, damn, I don't even know if God likes rap. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Is she praying that I fail at everything I'm trying to do? <laughs> so, um, and then Kenzie was born, his little girl, and he tweeted this February 2016, today's the last day of my old life, last day smoking cigs, headed to church for help, all things are possible through Christ who strengthens me. And I say this often, but my favorite thing about Instagram is watching Chance the Rapper's little videos of he and his daughter. I'm telling you, it's the reason to be on Instagram, because they're, they're the most precious thing, especially the ones that disappear. I don't know what you call those at the top, you know, that disappear. The stories, yeah, the story, what, the, the Snapchat attempts, so whatever. But what's so funny? <laughs> I don't know the lingo. Help me, front row. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so here is one. I love this. Uh, he says, this is the girl who reintroduced me to God. 
She's the woman who reminded me how to be a man and taught me how to love. She is everything I am, but much better. I can't wait for her to one day help the world the way she has helped me. And the way he talks about his daughter, and even the way he talks about his girlfriend, who they're not together anymore, um, but he speaks very respectfully of her because she is, you know, the mother of his child. Um, but so much of this goes back to his grandmother's influence. And there's a song that maybe some of you have heard called um, Sunday Candy that um, he was in. I mean, one part of what he does that I really like is, and I'll talk a bit about this later, but there's, I feel like his music isn't just con confined to one genre. He's not, ironically, he's not just a rapper at all. He has a great singing voice. And he was working in this musical collective called uh, Donnie Trumpet. It has nothing to do with Donald Trump. Donnie Trumpet and the Social Experiment. And then there are many other kind of, this, this is kind of really interesting scene uh, in Chicago that has with um, African-American poets and spoken word poets and rappers, and many of them are female, and also kind of neo-soul movement. So people like Jamelia Woods, who, yeah, who sings on, so I'll show you her later, and No Name, who raps. Oh. So <laughs> I'm not telling you anything new. Okay, so I'm going to play you a little clip so you can just hear a bit of chance. Just think about that idea of his grandmother praying to take away those things that are not of God. And now she's so proud of him. I actually saw, I was reading an article on BuzzFeed, and at the bottom, somebody had said, because one of his grandmothers died, and someone was talking about that, but they thought it was the grandmother that this song I'm about to play you was about. But th that grandmother piped up at the bottom of the article in a comment, and she was like, hi, I'm Grandma Jan. The other one died, but I'm still here. <laughs> and she's like, I mean, it wasn't snarky. It was just really cute. <laughs> and she's like, I'm so proud of Chance. I'm his biggest fan. And it was just sweet knowing that story. So let me play you a bit of this. This is actually at the White House. Um, and I'm just going to play you a little snippet. I'm going to play the whole song later, but it's wonderful to watch up close his face as he performs. As he slowed it down, you can really understand what he's saying. And it's all about his grandmother. Voice in her way that she loved me. With her eyes, with her smile, with her belt, with her hands, with her money. I am the thesis of her prayers. Her nieces and her nephews are just pieces of the layers. Only one she loves as much as me is Jesus Christ and Taylor. I got a feature, so I'm singing for my grandma. You singing too, but your grandma ain't my grandma. Mine's is handmade, pan fried, sun dried, south side, and beat the devil by a landslide. Praying with her hands tied, president of my fan club, Santa. Something told me I should bring my butt to church. Your Woods, but I like she, she tells me I should bring my butt to church, you know. But my favorite line from there is, Your peppermints is the truth. He talks about looking forward to the peppermints every Sunday that his grandmother gives him. I love that. 
Um, so then Coloring Book came out, and that's the one that has got so much critical acclaim. Um, and Coloring Book came out in 2016, and this was after his return to faith, or what might even be his first like real conversion, you know. Um, and so the album is so infused with the narrative of his conversion, and it has so much joy. It, it's, it, but it's not joy that ignores the reality of pain. He's holding these two things together. Um, but around this time when he was interviewed, he you know, was talking about fans listening to his work who you know, were expecting maybe something different. And he says, I still think that God means everything to everyone, whether they understand it or not, or can really see it for themselves or they find God. So he's basically saying everyone needs to hear this whether they know it or not, and everyone longs for God whether they know it or not. Um, I'll come to that in a minute. But uh, coloring book, I mean, I don't know if you know this, but some of you probably do, but, it, you know, he is not signed to a record label. He's an independent artist, and he is the first, the Grammys had to change the rules in order to give him, I think he won two Grammys. He was nominated for multiple ones. He won two Grammys, and this is free streaming online. He makes money off of the concerts and the t-shirts and stuff because he just gives it away for free. Um, and so it's really because he doesn't want to be, t and he got these huge offers of, of course, after he won a Grammy, you know, but he will not, he will not allow himself to be attached to um, a record label, which is, I think, pretty amazing. Uh, okay, so I'm going to take a few moments now to kind of go back and look. I mean, this is something we could talk about for weeks, um, but to go back and look at some of the uh, trajectory of, you know, African-American music and also the black church and how we see that very much as part of this album and kind of all of his music, but particularly this album. So um, a wonderful book about Southern soul music called A Change Is Gonna Come by Craig Werner um, talks about how there is a gospel impulse that we see not only in black gospel music, but also in soul music and even coming up to hip hop. It, he's just saying this is just the sort of tension that you see within the tradition of African-American music. And the three-part uh, gospel impulse is acknowledging the burden, being honest you know, so maybe very different than sort of happy, clappy praise music that's just always, you know, like, yay, I'm so happy all the time. There, there's, you know, like minor chords and there's, there's an acknowledgement of suffering and hardship and confusion. Um, and then bearing witness both to your pain and to your hope for redemption. And then the third is finding redemption. And so that, you know, in a lot of African-American music, there seems to be this tension between, you know, acknowledging the burden, lamenting, and finding redemption. And when I say tension, I don't mean that as a bad thing. I, I mean that they can sit together and it's okay. Whereas, especially in the realm of Christian music, a lot of Christian music, I mean, how many, you know, there are many churches that you'll never hear a song of lament, you know, are, I mean, what if we actually sang the Psalms, you know, <laughs> all of them? We'd be maybe very uncomfortable if we're not used to that. So I like the way that these two are held together, and we see that very much in Chance's um, music, but that's a tradition that's in many rappers, many soul artists. Um, yeah. 
Uh, and I have some quotes from the uh, liberation theologian James Cohen about the African-American church. He says, the black churches are very powerful forces in the African-American community and always have been because religion has been that one place where you have an imagination that no one can control. And so as long as you know that you are a human being and nobody can take that from you, then God is that reality in your life that enables you to know that. Um, and I think this is going up against um, some of the darkness that we hear in uh, Chance the Rapper's early music is a symptom of what Cornell West calls black nihilism, just a sense of hopelessness because you're in a situation where you feel like no one hears you, like no one understands the problems of your daily life, your daily reality. Um, so it's interesting that in, in Coloring Book, once he has become a Christian, he's tapping into this that shouldn't I have the most colorful, joyful imagination? If I know that God loves me, you know, again, Cornel West says that, you know, in order for someone to change, they have to know that they are loved. And we see that joy, just kind of volcanic joy, just coming up on, on his album. Um, and it relates very much to this. But, I mean, he's even talking about, like, on plantations, the church is the one place where these people could gather and actually feel human, and actually be honest and cry out to God and have both, you know, we see here in the spirituals, both lament and joy together. He, this is a very old picture of James Cohen with a cool afro. Um, in the act of worship itself, the experience of liberation becomes constituent of the community's being. It is the power of God's spirit invading the lives of the people building them up where they are, torn down, and propping them up on every leaning side. And again, in the African-American church, I know because American church, especially the, and I hate to even talk in these terms, but we know our churches are still very segregated for the most part. But in the white church, typically, it, there's more of a kind of individualistic focus on personal salvation. That doesn't mean African-American theology in its various forms doesn't talk about personal salvation as well, but there's such a focus on how that benefits the community um, and gospel music and the call and response in the services, you know, in gospel services. Um, and I was just thinking about in Chance the Rappers, first about his, the way he collaborates with this group of artists is kind of a part of that. And you kind of have call and response in a lot of his music, but then also just the importance, the, the, just his relationship with his community in Chicago. He just gave $2 million to Chicago City Schools. He's about to start an award program for teachers. You know, like he's using all this money. He's 24 years old. He just turned 24. You know, but I think he really is following a Christian understanding of, you know, what do, you know, uh, being a part of the body of Christ and you know, using your gifts. Um, through the reading of scripture, the people hear other stories about Jesus that enable them to move beyond the privateness of their own stories. That's also um, connecting, talking about moving from the individual to the community. And I noticed in a lot of Chance the Rapper's music, he does tell his story. That's something very typical within hip-hop music. 
And I think there are a lot of interesting reasons for that I'll talk about in a minute. But he also then often connects and then also tells the story of his community and talks about what he wants to do for his community. It's never just him. And you hear that with other rappers like Common has a song called The People. Uh, Lupe Fiasco does so much work in Chicago and talks about the kids he's working with. So... Uh, I don't, I couldn't get, sorry, that I couldn't get that font color to change. Uh, I hope you can read it. Uh, one more James Cohen quote. Testimony is an integral part of the black religious tradition. It is the occasion where the believer stands before the community of faith in order to give account of the hope that is in him or her. And I feel like coloring book, the album, is a testimony, you know, that is very much in this tradition. Okay, uh, this is... Now, that was about gospel. This is about the blues, a connection perhaps with the blues. And this is a quote from Michael Eric Dyson, who's a prominent uh, black um, academic. And he says, the blues function for another generation of blacks much as rap functions for young blacks today as a source of racial identity, permitting forms of boasting for devalued black men. So this is why I think hip-hop has so much self-reference. I don't see it so much as narcissism as, you know, these people have historically had their identities taken away. And so it's like, let me name myself. Let me tell you who I am. Let me tell you my story. And then if you bring that together with a Christian understanding, let me give you my testimony, um, which is what Chance does. So uh, permitting forms of boasting for devalue black men, allowing commentary on personal and social conditions and uncensored language. And the uncensored language is what many people often kind of demonize rap and hip-hop for that. Um, and sometimes I would argue it does go so far. It can be misogynistic, et cetera, et cetera. But there's many hip-hop artists that don't do that. And fostering the ability to transform hurt and anguish into art and commerce. It's so much about, like, I'm going to create something beautiful and meaningful out of my pain, but also maybe I can bring myself up out of this by making this art. You know, Lupe Fiasco tells that story on the cool. Um, I mean, so many artists talk about their story of getting out of their circumstances. Um, so now I'm going to shift this to, um, I'm going to just talk, give you a few more quotes about hip hop. Um, hip hop is the streets. Hip-hop is a couple of elements that it comes from back in the days, that feel of music with urgency that speaks to you, rawness, urgency. It speaks to your livelihood, and it's not compromise. It's blunt, it's raw, straight off the street, from the beat to the voice to the words. And then Russell Simmons, it's a producer, says, hip-hop is a voice for voiceless poor people. And then... Lin-Manuel Miranda, <laughs> uh, you know, who wrote Hamilton, saying the hip-hop narrative is writing your way out of your circumstances, which is like from the Michael Eric Dyson quote, that this is a way of creating art, and then it also becomes commerce. But you can write your life story. You can reinvent yourself through art, and there's hope there. Okay, so... Um, I'm going to move into talking a little bit about, um, because remember, we're thinking about the gospel impulse and about having kind of joy and redemption, but also acknowledging the pain and the struggle. And so I'm going to play some of a song from um, Acid Rap, 
that is about, uh, and it does have profanity in it, um, but it is about kind of just experience of where he's, he was living at that time. But you even look at his t-shirt here, uh, the, hard, the hardest job in America is being a black man, is what his shirt says. They murder kids. They murder kids here. Why you think they don't talk about it? They deserted us here. Where the fuck is Matt Lauer at? Somebody get Katie. Sorry, that didn't work. Look like we had a fucking hurricane here. Are we shooting whether it's dark or not? I mean, the days is pretty dark a lot. Down here, it's easier to find a gun than it is to find a fucking parking spot. No love for the opposition. Specifically a cop position, because they never been in opposition. Getting violations from the nation. Correlating you dry snitching. I've been riding around with my blood on my lips. With the sun in my eyes and my gun on my hip. Paranoia on my mind, got my mind on the fritz. But a lot of niggas dying, so my nine with the shits. I've been riding around with my blood on my lips. With the sun in my eyes and my gun on my hip. Paranoia on my mind, got my mind on the fritz. But a lot of niggas dying, so my nine with the shits. This is a very long song, and it goes through like three different movements. Um, and I'm only playing the last portion. You couldn't even hear what he's doing musically that's partitioning it off. Ah! Ah! I know you scared. You oh, should okay. ask us if we scared too. I know you scared. Ask us if we scared too If you was there And we just knew you cared too It just got warm out This the shit I've been warned about I hope that it's storm in the morning I hope that it's pouring out I hate crowded beaches I hate the sound of fireworks And I find the what's worse between knowing it's over and dying first Cause everybody dies in the summer When they say goodbyes, tell them while it's spring Everybody's dying in the summer So pray to God for a little more spring I know you scared You should ask us if we scared too If you was there And we just knew you cared too I find that song quite heartbreaking because, especially the end, I think he's talking to white listeners. He's talking to those who are watching things on TV, riots, Fergus, et cetera, et cetera. I know you're scared. Well, we're scared too. You should ask us if we're scared too. If you was there, then we would know you cared too. Like, you sit back and you talk about how scary we are, but why don't you come in and try to understand where the pain comes from? And we're scared, too. We're, we're, we're not scary. We're scared. So, and I'm sorry the music kind of got ahead of this, but um, when he says there are murder kids here, and he's asking, why don't, why don't we talk about that? Where's Matt Lauer? Where's Katie Couric? Like, where's the media talking about all of the devastation, the poverty, the injustice, 
Um, and all the discussion in here of carrying a gun. I mean, that's what I meant. Like, this is, again, the album he did before his conversion, but it has this raw honesty of a kind of lament of, I just, I'm in the song, you know, the first part is Push a Man, which I didn't play, and it's kind of him kind of showing off and talking about his lifestyle, and it's kind of more lighthearted, but also very hedonistic. And then it slips into this really dark reality that's called paranoia. And he's basically saying, I have to ride around, I'm smoking, I'm smoking weed as an escape, basically, and I'm having to carry a gun. You know, it's easier to find a gun than it is to find a parking spot. You know, so it's this really bleak reality. Um, now, if you haven't listened to this and you've only heard Coloring Book, you might be surprised by this. But we have hints of this in Coloring Book. Uh, and also, just the, the pic sorry, just the picture, the picture on the album cover. Look at his face. This does not look like joy or contentment. It doesn't look anything like what Chance the Rapper tends to look like now in the media's eye. Um, okay, but this is uh, from current album, Coloring Book. He does have a line. Um, which song is this in? Uh, blessings. It's in Blessings, yeah. He, a song called Blessings. It's very much about God's blessings in his life. And he, knows, he says, I know the difference in blessings and worldly possessions. I mean, he's really kind of working through his value system. Um, and he says, Jesus, black life ain't matter. I know I talked to his daddy. Said, you the man of the house now, look out for your family. So he is saying, you know, God has shown me that in America, black lives don't matter. And so he's given me the job to look out for my family, to try to speak up for them. So it's quite powerful. It's easy to kind of skip over this part, but it certainly connects back with the earlier things. And he very much will talk, I and mean, he tweeted a lot about Black Lives Matter. Um, here's a quote. I think Black Lives Matter is a huge campaign that is important and integral to our advancement as a people. And here's a quote from an article um, called Understanding Chance and His Context by Ernest Izuego. Um, he talks, he says, the idea of rejecting rap as art but loving what chance does is flawed. If you don't like rap and its complexities, his message isn't made for you. If you find yourself reflexively saying actually all lives matter anytime when someone says that black lives matter, or asking, well, what about black on black crime whenever someone talks about police brutality, but then cheer on chance because he mentioned God at the Grammys, you're deluding yourself. Of course, just because it is not made for everyone does not mean that everyone can't acknowledge it. So, I know, this is like, whoo! But it is quite interesting that now Chance has become hugely popular to a larger audience of white people. And, you know, and that's an interesting thing to consider. Why, what about the music, you know? Um, and... and how much of the narrative is really being embraced and understood, and even his popularity recently with Christians because of him so unashamedly going on Saturday Night Live and the Grammys and speaking about God. But part of liking Chance is also knowing where he came from and understanding his concerns for his people. So this guy doesn't mess around, does he? Yeah. <laughs> um, now, I'm going to hit on one thing that I still struggle with, 
um, that we can maybe talk about in the Q&A discussion after if you want to. I don't want to spend tons of time on it. But as I really enjoy Chance. I really think he's genuine. I really believe he's a man of faith. I really don't like the misogyny in the music. That just hasn't gone away. It's not as bad. And honestly, a lot of it is from other rappers that he has on Coloring Book. Like Little Wayne has the most disgusting part on Coloring Book. Um, but then even just chant some of the things he says. And he has... He does still talk about drugs a bit, but then I've heard him say, well, that's more metaphorical. Like, he has a song called Same Drugs, and he's like, it's not about drugs. It's actually about, the lines are, we don't do the same drugs no more. And, and the character mentioned in it is Wendy, and he says it's Wendy from Peter Pan. And it's about how you move from childhood to adulthood. And the things that get you excited as a child don't as an adult. Um, so it's metaphorical. And I get that, but yeah, I struggle with some of the, you know, talks, you know, talking about women as bitches and some of the graphic language. It's more about, you know, my question would be, I, I think we should understandably be like this, you know, like hands off, back off. I refuse to listen to music that's overtly racist, but why do we tiptoe around music that's overtly sexist? Why is that not as problematic? <laughs> I'm saying that I still really love Chance the Rapper. <laughs> and of course, I mean, of course, he's someone who has only kind of recently come into his faith. And I think a lot of this is, you know, him grappling with the language that he has. It's been like the lingua franca of his music and his interactions. So, but Cornel West is helpful in talking about those kinds of things. Um, he says, I think hip hop can be prophetic and progressive, and at the same time, the dominant forms tend to be homophobic, misogynistic, and something that we need to critically call into question. But I mean, I think he's referring more to like some gangster rap and things like that. Interestingly, the, the biggest listening audience for gangster rap is young white males. You know, and there's been a lot of theorists like someone like Bell Hooks, who, you know, is a black feminist, um, who says, well, the reason young white men tend to like gangster rap so much is because it fulfills the negative stereotypes of black people. It makes them seem exotic and edgy. And, you know, so someone can totally be into gangster rap and to still totally be a racist because they're not really getting into the narrative. They're not really thinking about the lives of the people who created it, but they're just like, well, that's the way black people are. So, but she says, hip hop is diverse, but the white capitalist producers and distributors are hip hop. So that's what's interesting is Chance the Rapper does not have a producer or distributor that is connected to a record label. Are the most interested in the hip hop that is misogynistic, that is black hating, that is pugilistic, that is to say all about fighting and war and killing and gangsterism. So the question is why is Chance the Rapper so popular with a white audience? Because he isn't necessarily, there is a, I don't even know if I called it misogyny because he's just not hateful. I think it's more just kind of inherited sexism. Um, and Little Wayne, that's a whole other story. And he lets him on, and I don't understand why. But, you know, but so I wonder, but I love it that, you know, he is, I mean, his, his music is very catchy and fun and seems to be lighthearted, but if you listen closely, 
you know. So, and also, this is something that he read that kind of helped me think through this, that he said, I never really set out to make anything that could, could pretend to be new gospel or pretend to be the gospel, Chance said. It's just music for me as a Christian man because I think before I was make music, making music as a Christian child. So it's about he's moving from child to man. And in both cases, I have imperfections both when I was the child and even now as the man, I have imperfections. But there was a declaration that can be made through going through all the stuff I've been through this last few years. All right, so next thing I want to point out is, uh, yeah, all of this, uh, the hashtag black boy joy, and it kind of goes along with the hashtag black girl, black girl magic, um, but black boy joy and this picture of a joyful, continually smiling black man in the midst of what is seen as a very hostile cultural climate to young black men. I mean, just look at even, look at even the titles of these articles. I found some great articles. This is the one from BuzzFeed, Why Chance the Rapper's Black Christian Joy Matters. This was written by an African-American Christian woman. And I have some quotes. And then this is something from his grandmother, <laughs> Jan Bennett Williams. Hashtag black boy joy. Please join me in tag situations where black men and boys are involved in joyous and positive circumstances. Let's make today a day where we speak life. I'm like, that's so lovely. You know, what a, I, does she want to just like hug his grandmother? Um, so, and there's also another article. If anybody wants to read these, you can always find me on Facebook or email me. There's a good article in the Curator magazine, which is a Christian arts magazine, um, called Joy as a Form of Resistance. It's not that he's ignoring harsh realities, but joy, I mean, think about how this joy is subverting stereotypes. And I don't think, I think it's a very genuine joy. You know, I think it's the joy of testimony. It's the joy of transformation. Um, and this is what uh, someone in The Root, you know, the African-American newspaper said, the climate in America right now is hostile to say the least. Black men are dying at the hands of authority figures and witnessing black boy joy is a rare, much needed break from the tragic headlines and hashtags. And let's be real, the world is highly critical of young black men who express joy. So I want to celebrate this idea that young black men can be happy too. So, <laughs> and that's one of his Instagram he did Black Boy Joy. You know, he, he did the hashtag on it. Um, and this is from this woman on Buzzkill. Uh, I said Buzzkill. It's Buzzfeed. <laughs> I wrote Buzzkill. I thought that looked funny. <laughs> I, I was teaching, I was teaching um, Sigmund Freud earlier today, and if I wonder if this is a Freudian. <laughs> Cut that out of the podcast. Okay. Um, but I love her words. First, she, she quotes Nehemiah 8.10. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And then she says, but chances Christianity is one of inestimable joy. It is buoyant. It's grandiose. It's infectious. When you see him dancing around these little goofy dances he does and this big smile, it's, it's so devoid of cynicism. It's so real. A tiny clip from uh, Donnie Trump and the social experiment because I was thinking about there's all this discussion of being authentic and authenticity and oftentimes the discussions of authenticity are so arrogant and ironic 
you know, authentic, it's about, it, it becomes, it can be cynical. Well, look, I'm real. I'm authentic. Whereas I feel like Chance the Rapper, he just kind of is, he's like this little kid. You know, it's like he, interestingly, he says he moved from man, child to man, but he seems to have moved from into a kind of more joyful childhood or something. And I don't mean that in an immature way. I mean that as, you know, the kind of, uh, a little child shall lead you, you know, that, the kind of joy of faith. Um, so this is just the beginning of one of these songs um, that uh, Donnie Trumpet and Social Experiment did. It's kind of want to be cool. I don't want to be you, I just want to be me, I don't want to be cool, I just want to be me, be me. you don't want to be cool, be cool. So you just want to be me, be. I don't want to be cool, I don't want to be cool, I don't want to be cool, I, I don't want to be cool, I don't like being cool, I, don't be cool. I ain't trying to be cool, what's it like being cool, I just can't stay cool, I don't want to be cool, I don't want you to be me. And then he goes and tells his life story about like how he didn't have designer clothes in school and he was like, you know, kind of being bullied and it's like, but hey, it's really cool, cool not to be cool. Um, so that's that. And this, this kind of has this really genuine kind of corny, for those of you who maybe are a little bit older that know this after school special feel to it, you know, it really kind of like, oh, um, now I'm going to actually show you an entire video because this is so full of joy. Has anybody seen this, the short film of Sunday Candy? You'll see the childlike wonder, the joy. Um, this is the song about his grandmother, but this is the full thing. Say in her voice, in her way, that she love me. With her eyes, with her smile, with her belt, with her hands, with her money. I am the thesis of her prayers. Her nieces and her nephews are just pieces of the layers. Only one she loves as much as me is Jesus Christ and Taylor. I got a feature song singing for my grandma. You sing it too, but your grandma ain't my grandma. Mine's handmade, pan fried, sun dried, south side, and beat the devil by a landslide, praying with a hands tied. President of my fan club, Santa, something told me I should bring my money. Gotta move it slowly, taking in my body like it's holy. I've been waiting for you for the whole week. I've been praying for you, you're my Sunday king. You gotta move slowly.
candy, your peppermint is the truth. I'm pessimistic on Monday. If I had tweaked and missed you, you look so good with the hat on, had to match with the shoes. Came and dressed in the satin, I came and sat in your pew. I come to Christmas for dinner, 50 rolls on my plate. Hella holes in my stocking, holding your pockets in place. I like my love with the budget, I like my hugs with a sin. You smell like light gas while the electricity rent. You sound like why the gospel choir got so tired. Singing this crazy daily basis, so I gotta try it. You my dream, catch a dream team, team captain. Matter of fact, I ain't seen you in a minute. Let me take my butt to church. You better come on in. Come on in this house. It's gonna infectiousness and contagiousness of the joy. Um, just thinking about Chan uh, Chance's relationship to the community in Chicago and the schools and all the work that he's done. And I mentioned him giving all this money recently. Um, but I also wanted to show you a little video that was made. Um, it was kind of a thank you to Chance the Rapper on his birthday. And I think it also captures uh, his relationship with the community. So. I met Chance uh, when we were in high school, and he was just like this, like little chubby, annoying, just like light-skinned kid. He just like wanted to like be on a stage. He sounds really different from anyone else. He has his his own voice that I think. Um, really opens up space for young people to be as weird and different and as themselves as they can be and to trust in that. Chance is a beast at, at iteration when it comes to rap. My favorite Chance track has to be Brain Cells. Hey, Ma. Cocoa Butter Kisses. Cigarettes on cigarettes, my mama think I stay. I got burnt holes in my hoodies. Being a black male coming from Chicago, the only like public expression of your emotion that people kind of accept without like questioning your masculinity. 
um, is anger. He exudes like black boy joy. And I just feel like seeing like how much energy he has and like love for life is like, it's just a really transformative thing for uh, boys. Art is one piece, but it's also about being a decent human being and growing the people around you because Chicago is beautiful, but it's also um, a very tragic place where black death, brown death happens a lot. And so, you know, Chance coming back gives kids something to look forward to and it gives them a lifeline that I think they wouldn't have otherwise. He's a true role model. It was kind of like what Barack was for us in 2008. Only thing that's changed is that we get to share him with everyone else. Other than that, it still feels like he's here because he's always here. Whether that's doing open mic or concerts or taking people to vote, he's still a part of the community. He's kind of like a big brother to me or like to us as people in Chicago. Like he said in his song, like, you ask anybody from my city, they're going to say that we cousins. It feels like that for real. I feel like he's a real helpful towards Chicago and he will never forget about his city. It's like, yo, like this is a treasure of ours and he's always been a treasure, you know what I mean? And so seeing the world um, really appreciate that is like seeing the world appreciate Chicago. Yeah, the one, one girl mentions uh, the line about everybody in Chicago being my cousin. It's a song called uh, Angels that's on Coloring Book. In this song, he talks a lot about um, the work he's doing for his city and how important that community is to him. So he talks very specifically. Also, Jamelia Woods, who was interviewed here, and she's the woman who sang in the video we just saw, and she is actually the uh, director of the largest youth poetry workshop in the country. So probably some of the kids that were interviewed were you know, kids in her workshop. And so, again, that's a very interesting, very creative collective of young artists working with uh, kids. I'm gonna hit on one more main point and then we'll have time for questions. Okay, I wanna talk about, you know, when there was kind of a joke at Lee University last spring. We have this Sunday evening chapel called U Church, and there was this big, like, dramatic, like, hundreds of people commenting on the Overheard at Lee Facebook page because somebody said, can we bring Chance the Rapper to U Church? And, uh, <laughs> and there was all this debate back and forth, which is what kind of spurred me into, like, I want to use this as an opportunity to talk about the way we think about art from a Christian perspective, think about art theologically. Because I felt like there were many people that were like, oh, we never dare have someone who uses, because he uses profanity still, not, not the same way, but, you know, there are things on coloring book that are still, I, so I find problematic, and I can understand why you wouldn't necessarily want him to do a church service in your, you know. Um, but, the, but, but oftentimes, the, and then there were others who were, I just felt like both sides of the conversation was kind of extreme, <laughs> not really looking, at, you know, at it in a nuanced way. So um, I had some quotes that I talked about, several ones from uh, Francis Schaeffer, I'm guessing many of you are familiar with. But Schaeffer said, Christian art is the expression of the whole life of the whole person as a Christian. It's not just this one narrow little part that's always going to be happy, <laughs> or it's always going to be reading the Bible and praying faithfully, you know. It's what a Christian portrays in his art is the totality of life. Art is not to be solely a vehicle for some sort of self-conscious evangelism. Um, and then he goes on, I'll read a bit more. And evangelical, as evangelical Christians, we have tended to relegate art to the very fringe of life. The rest of human life, we feel, is more important. 
Despite our constant talk about the lordship of Christ, we have narrowed its scope to a very small area of reality. We have misunderstood the concept of the lordship of Christ over the whole man and the whole of the universe and have not taken to us the riches that the Bible gives us for ourselves, for our lives, and for our culture. The lordship of Christ over the whole of life means that there are no platonic areas in Christianity, no dichotomy or hierarchy between the body and soul. God made the body as well, the soul and redemption is for the whole man. And so just this focus on, he's talking about all aspects of life experience, and some of them aren't pretty. Um, This made me think of chance. And then here's a quote from uh, David Dark, who I know spoke here last year in an article that he wrote for MTV on uh, a chance. Chance's faith won't be reduced to a side issue that comes and goes because the earth and everything in it is the Lord's. It is all God's loving business. You know, everything. And he infuses. And sometimes it's very awkward because he'll talk about God in the same line where he'll use a curse word. And it's, 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 and I know that could might be uncomfortable with some listeners. And depending on how he does it, I, I think, yeah, it's just, he's just, it's just the way he's talking. Um, so, yeah. And now I've got to decide. I have two songs I wanted to play, but I don't think we have enough time for both. So now I'm trying to decide. I think I'll do How Great because I have a video of him performing just a portion of it. And actually, this I think this is the one on the Grammys. Um, they did on the Grammys, and this one he won all these new fans, and he got, you know, offered record contracts. But as an interesting backstory, it's the How Great Is Our God, the song about who wrote that song? Tom, who? Tomlinson? Somebody Tomlinson? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, it's a worship song. So, and something that I don't think he was very super familiar with, but one of his grandmothers died, not the one who's still alive and talking on buzzkill, you know, <laughs> buzzfeed, but, but the other grandmother, I think grandmother Gloria, not grandmother Jan, but it was her funeral and she died and his cousin Nicole sang this song and he was so moved by it that he asked her to sing it with him. He put it on his album and this is her singing it with him at the Grammys, but it's mostly going to show his, his rap part and then we're going to look at some of the lyrics after. How great is our God, sing with me, how great is our God, and all will see how great, how great is our God. The first is that God is better than the world's best thing. Magnify, magnify, lift it on high. Spit a Spotify to qualify a spot on your side. I cannot modify, ratify. Mama made me apple pies, lullabies, and alibis. The book don't end with Malachi. Devil will win employee of the month by the dozen. To one score in three years from the third when he doesn't. My village raised him a child. Come through the crib and it's busting. You meet anyone from my city, they gon' swear that we cousins. Shabbat, Barack, edify. Electrify the enemy like Hedwig till he petrified. Any petty Peter Bender group could get the pesticide. 79, 79, if I don't believe in science, I believe in signs. Don't believe in signing, I see dollar signs. Color white, color brown. Good God, to get the freedom on Santa Santa and both then woke up slaves from Southampton to Shadow Manor. My dream girls behind me feel like
like I'm James early. The type of worship make Jesus come back a day early. With the faith of a pumpkin seed, size must exceed here. For I will speak noble things as it trusted me. Only righteous, I might just shrug at the skullduggery. I will not stand to see another rapper lose custody. Exalt, exalt, glorify. Descend upon the earth with swords and fortify the borders where your shortest lie. I used to hide from God. Dug down in the slums like transitions into something else there but I'll put up the lyrics I know it's kind of hard to, but his in, I wanted you to see his very impassioned delivery um, so intense but so full of joy and uh, sincerity but magnified magnify lifted on high spit it Spotify see the way he's mixing the kind of things of everyday life and the glory of God uh, I cannot modify or ratify. My mama made me apple pie, <laughs> lullabies and alibis. And a great line, the book don't end with Malachi. You know, Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament, but it don't end there, right? I was wrong. The thing about the cousins is in this song. I thought it was in Angels, but then Shabak, Barak, Edify. I think this is like Hosanna, praise God in Hebrew. Um, electrified the enemy like Hedwig till he petrified. Isn't that the owl from... Uh, Harry Potter, <laughs> and then any petty Peter pedigree, and that reminds me of Peter Piper, Peter Piper picked it, it's like a tongue twister, could get the pesticide. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't believe in science, I believe in signs, don't believe in signing, I see dollar signs, color, color white collar crime, good God, the gift of freedom, Hosanna Santa invoked and woke up slaves from Southampton to Chatham Manor. What's interesting is he's quoting biblical things, and then he brings in that line, which is about the Nat Turner slave rebellion. Um, again, mixing so many different things. Uh, the type, this type of worship makes Jesus come back a day early. That's the way he says it. <laughs> with, the, with the faith, oh, there he is. With the faith of a pumpkin seed side mustard seed. I think he's saying, I really have some faith now. It's really grown, a pumpkin seed. Herefore I will speak noble things as they trusted me, only righteous. I might just shrug at the skullduggery. I couldn't stand to see another rapper lose custody. Exalt, exalt, glorify. Descend upon our earth with swords and fortify the borders where your shoulders lie. I used to hide from God. Duck down the slums like shh, and then it stops in the song. There's a long pause until he goes to the next section. Um, but... You know, it's his story. But again, as Schaefer is talking, he's weaving the things of everyday life as part of the glory of God and the glory within his personal testimony and narrative. So it's quite a holistic understanding of what it means to be a Christian, I would say. So that's all I have for you now. I don't know how we're going to do questions, but thanks for being so attentive and not laughing at me too much. <laughs> So we did get a lot of questions. Uh, thanks for sticking around, those of you. Uh, so a lot of them were similar, um, uh, wrestling with different aspects of uh, Dr. McCampbell's talk. So we combined some of them. So if we don't get to your specific question, Dr. McCampbell will be hanging out a little bit afterwards, I believe, maybe. Yeah, sure. Uh, so come and chat with her directly if you're kind of offended that we didn't get to your question. Okay, sorry about that. Please, Vinamois. What? <laughs> okay, here's the first question. It seems like chance is able to explore timeless Christian doctrines like suffering, lament, witness, redemption, etc. 
in his music as a public witness to the truth claims of Christianity, but he doesn't come across in his public witness as a narrow-minded religious person like many would. How can Christians learn to embody Chance's view of faith interacting with culture? I thought I liked that question more than I did. No, I like it. I like it, but I'm just thinking that's a really hard one because you don't want to oversimplify it and say, well, because Chance uses curse words and talks openly about sex and things, does that make it? Because, you know, I think it's more about, because that, and several people asked about things like misogyny, sexism, profanity. Personally, myself, the profanity, again, I... That kind of goes into, um, sorry, I'm kind of drifting away from this question, but I'm thinking they're all kind of related. But like the profanity, I do believe in kind of a personal discernment, um, rather, and in looking at the whole context of like what a song tells us, what a movie tells us, what a book is saying, are there redemptive aspects? Um, Is it damaging to us? And some of the language he used, I do feel like it's just kind of left over from his, just the way he's learned to speak within his particular community. Um, Again, I'm not applauding that, uh, but most of the times it doesn't bother me. If he says the Lord's name in vain, which he does not do in Coloring Book, he used to. He doesn't do that on Coloring Book. The times when it does really bother me is when it's degrading to women. So I don't know if that So he does very realistically explore themes like suffering, lament, and it's part of the idea that he is not this uptight Christian because of his use of language. I hope it's not as simplistic as that. I don't think so. I think it's it's the part of that, I think, is just the incredible artfulness and creativity of the music and his sincerity. Because I'm thinking of someone like Sufjan Stevens is also probably even more deals with questions of suffering, lament, um, redemption, and it's the incredible creativity. It's infectious. You can't, you, you know, when you get so sucked in because it's just good art. And so I guess in response to that, I would say if Christians just made complex good art that really speaks to the whole human condition and speaks to human experience as complex and mysterious and God as complex and mysterious rather than kind of handing forward these kind of let me make you feel warm and fuzzy good you know formulas (laughs) then and so he doesn't he doesn't use formulas and he's meshing together the things of everyday life and it almost, you almost feel like it's improvisational. He's just making it up, and this is just the stuff he cares about and what he's talking about, and he's believable. So, and I think joy is a part of that, but I think also just the incredible attention to the art is, I don't know if that, did that kind of hit on that question? Uh, how do you, here's the next two, Mary, and they're very similar to the last okay. one, but maybe a little bit more nuanced. I'm going to ask them kind of together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how do you separate what it means to be a Christian or a follower of Christ from holiness? That seems to be the real gulf in Chance's witness, at least by classic definitions of holiness. Yeah. So that goes to the morality kind of question. And then the second question is, which is similar, how do you compare him to J. Cole or Kendrick Lamar, who also claim and or use Christian language or imagery? Yeah. Um, well, the holiness, and again, yeah, I mean, how are you defining holiness? I guess personal sanctification, holiness, but... 
don't know, I'm just thinking about, you know, what is personal holiness? And I'm not, again, advocating some of the things that he does say that I do disagree with. Um, and it is hard to hold those two things together. Um, and I don't know if he's just kind of holding those up or if he's just kind of telling the story of his life. Um, but holiness, isn't there something of personal sanctification and holiness in a deep, deep love for your brothers and sisters and being transparent about your faults. And I mean, by holiness, I don't know if this person just means kind of not drinking and not smoking and not having premarital sex. Not to downplay those, I mean, those are, you know, but is, is that the only part of holiness? You know, are there individuals who might not talk about those things in their music, but their music has such shallow theology that maybe even speaks to a really incomplete, very narrow understanding of God or slips into prosperity gospel or something like that. I, I, I don't know. But I would love to hear what anybody else had to say about these two because these are places where I struggle, especially when it comes into that kind of misogynistic language. Because I, do, I don't want to stand up here and say I don't think it's important for those aspects of his life to also be in line with you know, his, with, with what God teaches about these things. Um, but I feel like he's a person who's, who's kind of just become a Christian. And, but then in one question, there were questions about holding him up as a cultural leader. And so, yeah, you are, he is in front of the schoolroom, you know, and then when little kids listen. And so I don't really have a straight answer for you. For me, my own personal discernment of listening to this, I get so much joy, and my faith in Christ feels strengthened in listening to a lot of his music. Um, but there are certain songs that I skip. Does it, you know, uh, yeah, because I skip those songs, that mean I shouldn't listen to them at all? I, I don't think that. But there are certain songs that aren't particularly helpful for me, but I don't feel like I can just mark him out because of it, because I just think he has a, maybe, he's, he's learning, he's growing. Does anybody else, can we, is that allowed? Can other people? Sure, it's allowed, yeah. We have a Micah. lot of great questions. Um, yeah. <laughs> Give Chance a chance. <laughs> well, it's like poor Lecrae who doesn't talk about any of those things, but so many white evangelicals are like writing him off as a Christian because he dares to sing songs that aren't just like a, a tract, you know, or he talks about anything to do with racial injustice, you know? So it's like, well, shouldn't our care for racial injustice have far to do with our holiness and sanctification? I mean, so that's confusing. But I was going to mention that someone, but then again, I, I want to give chance that, but then I get frustrated because I think of someone like Lupe Fiasco, who is not a Christian, who's a Muslim, and who never uses debasing abusive women a language to women. He actually only uses that in his songs when he deconstructs and shows how evil it is. And I'm like, why doesn't Chance do that? And the same, Kendrick Lamar. I mean, Kendrick Lamar is, I really have a hard time listening to Kendrick Lamar because it is so misogynistic. You know, as much as there's a lot of really interesting stuff there, I just feel beaten up and abused listening to that music. I know that that's an unpopular opinion, and I have, you know, to pimp a butterfly, and I think he's brilliant. Um, and I love, and I need to pay more attention to him, I know, but I have a hard time getting past that. And there's such a... Um, 
and I, there's such aggression in his music. It, it doesn't have a lot of joy in it, um, which I'm fine with that from someone like Lupe Fiasco, mainly because he doesn't, you know, talk about women's pussies all the time and things like that. that I'm sorry, I just can't handle that. It is just so, you know, it really bothers. It just, personally, that's something, and like kind of a violence towards women really hits me. And I, but that's my own issue. I'm not saying Kendrick Lamar doesn't, there's a lot, he's incredibly talented and there's a lot of worth in his, in he, his story of conversion into Pimp a Butterfly. Um, there's a lot to wade through to get to it. And so that might be a fault on my part, but I struggle with it. I don't know enough about J. Cole. I wasn't aware that he was considered, that he said he was a Christian. I didn't know that. Neither did I. I haven't listened to him very much. Yeah, me so neither. I can't really speak to that. Yeah. Okay, next question. Is, uh, Ch- is Chance playing into the long-standing historical slash artistic trope of black childlikeness for the palability for white audiences or subverting that trope? What are your thoughts on the critique of Chance's theology being reminiscent of prosperity theology? Allah, when the praises go up, the blessings come down. Well, that's two different questions. Very different. But, yeah, those are good questions. Those are really good questions. Yeah, you can answer them separately. It's fine. Huh? You can answer them separately. Okay. (laughs) The prosperity gospel, that's a good question, and that's also bothered me. (laughs) So, uh, because that one line, when the blessings go up, the praises, no, the praises go up, the blessings come down. I, I don't know. I've wondered about that. But again, I don't know his church cultural context and what kind of teaching. That really bugs me in that song. But then other songs, he says things that are so true. And so, so I, I don't, again, I can't answer that because I don't know enough about his particular church tradition specifically. Nothing else really in his music sounds like that. I, I don't know. Uh, Anybody know more about that song and that line? Yeah? That's good point. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, just for the recording. Yeah. The, the, the blessings works against the material model. Yeah, that's good. Because he says, there's the one line, I know a difference between blessing and a worldly possessions. Right. Yeah, yeah, and she, yeah. So I think that he's, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it is biblical what he's saying, but maybe some of the language of it is a little. Then what was the other? Oh, the one about the clownishness. That is like, to me, I, that's, whoever had that, I think that's the best question. That's a really good question. Um, <laughs> about because of the kind of minstrel show mentality of kind of being clownish and silly and stupid, shucking and jiving and tap dancing and all that, all those horrible stereotypes from you know late 19th, early 20th century, I don't think he's doing that because this is genuine joy based in faith in God and love of other human beings. I just, I don't, I guess I believe him and I think it's coming from a real place. And also when he, he if he was just going to try to make this palatable to the white listener, I think that he wouldn't talk about the kinds of things he does. You know, so I think that's a really good question, but I don't think that would be a great essay question. Then <laughs> next time I teach something with Chance the Rapper, I'm going to use that. that's a good uh, question. Someone asked, "What is the significance of the three hats he wears?" 
I know it, it relates, I think there's a couple different meanings, and he just like sleeps in it. Like he never takes it off. He's really insecure. He's insecure about the shape of his head. Maybe he's balding and no one knows it. No, he doesn't like the shape of his head. But, uh, <laughs> um, but at the Grammy, or, no, it was someplace where he, did, he took it off. And yeah, anyway, but I know the three has to do with the Trinity. Definitely, he talks about that specifically. But then there was another more simplistic meaning. Does anybody know? Huh? The three mixtapes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't remember. I knew there was something more just average, but then he also said it's the, the Trinity. So, and one of the questions that I saw here, I'm going to answer real quickly because somebody said, when he's talking about God, is he just talking about a vague God concept? Absolutely not. He talks very specifically about Jesus. And he, he's very familiar with the biblical narrative of the death, life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, absolutely. Because there are plenty of rappers that just say, thanks to God. And you're like, who are they talking about? So, this is, he's very specific. Yeah, I think that same person asked about defin defining uh, conversion. Because you kept talking about conversion. Could you talk a little bit more about that, maybe? Yeah, well, he... It's just he his talking about how he kind of grew up with his grandmother taking him to church, and I guess he sort of believed it maybe culturally, you know, it was what he was raised in. But then he got into high school, got into all the drugs, you know. He said he went from relationship, 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 um, very kind of bottomless, you know, unsatisfied. But he says he says that um, when he realized that moment of helplessness when his daughter was going to have a heart problem. By the way, she was born healthy. You know, it was miraculous. And um, that, that was the time when he's like, I have to really give my, as he said, I know I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Like, I have to really rely on Christ. So he talks very specifically. And he says, you know, the roots of this are from what my grandmother's taught me. And those prayers she said for him, of, you know. So, Yeah. Well, I'm going to go ahead and dismiss us, um, but those were fantastic thoughts, guys. Thanks for interacting. Thanks for texting your questions. Thanks for sending us some Venmo money. Matt, did we get any extra? Matt's probably not in here. Maybe we did. I think we got like $25. Twenty-five or $30 from like seven people. So send us five. If everyone in the room sends us five dollars, we're able to fund like the whole spring. So uh, go ahead and send us some money on Venmo. We'll put up the slide so it's on the screen um, so you can see it. There it is, Venmo. And also uh, you can do a recurring giving, which would be even better. But we're going to hang out for a little bit. Come chat with Dr. Mary. Um, talk among yourselves. Our next talk is October 7th. And it's on, coincidentally, on racial reconciliation. October what? 5th, is it? Oh, I thought it was the 7th. Okay, it's October 5th. Um, so you want to be here for that because uh, it's going to be really important. There it is on the screen, the information. Mark it on your calendar. Uh, you guys have a good night. Thanks for coming. Thanks for listening to the Theology on Tap Chattanooga podcast. To connect with us and learn about our next live events, like our Facebook page at facebook.com backslash Theology on Tap Chattanooga. You can also support TOT in two ways. First, leave us a rating and a review wherever you get your podcast from. And second, consider being a patron of Theology on Tap with a small monthly donation on patreon.com. And you can learn more about that at patreon.com backslash Theology on Tap.